out here in the frigid cold trying to recreate Kurt Russell's best movie. It's Feature, please. A heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. I had a real nice, cozy life in the 24th century until someone went back in time and murdered my grand, great, great, great grandmother. Your co-host, Peter. Before we get into our Star Trek discussion, we have some honest-to-God housekeeping to do, my friend. First and foremost, our good buddy Jonathan J.K., who whose work we admire so much we interviewed him about it. Long the creator, one, too. A, a creator of Voyager Season 8, an excellent audio drama-style podcast that is attempting to create a, a theoretical Voyager Season 8 episode-by-episode. Well, he just launched his most recent episode. So if you are not yet subscribed to Voyager Season 8 on whatever platform you like to listen to your shows, get on it. It's worth the time. It's, it's worth a big the effort. Deal. These episodes only come out like once every two decades. Yeah. So <laughs> you're very lucky to be alive. <laughs> Jonathan's and release schedule can be described as painful. Uh, purposeful. I suppose. <laughs> uh, agonizing agonizingly slow maybe I, something I give him a a ton of grief for <laughs> by the way in his own discord I rarely use discord except to check in on ours and then go into his and be like check watch Jonathan please <laughs> just like bounce after doing that so he finally bought one out and um, it's good it's always good it's always a, a solid hang with uh Voyager season eight. So get on it. Second, we have a, a fun announcement for everybody. And that is, it's been almost a year since we've had some live chats, some talks with our fans. It was when we wrapped on Voyager entirely. And here, as we uh, enter into the halfway point, believe it or not, of enterprise, God. we want to, we want to get uh, a good live show in. So, Prepare yourselves for a season two rip live. We'll be on March 16th. 2023. From, 2023 <laughs> from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, because that's the time frame we live in. And so you're just all going to have to manage your lives around it if you want to be part that's of it. That's when I can get away from my kids for an yeah, hour to be yeah, a turbo nerd. We've got we've got limitations. But I think the, the thing is we really – I mean, our last one – it may never be topped just because it was the end of Voyager. So we just had a ton of people there. It was amazing. A lot of interaction it was a great time, but Hey, if you're sticking through this enterprise stuff. Come along. We'd love to have you. Um, not sure if we'll be on Twitch or YouTube. I'm going to download OBS and figure out which one works best. Regardless, there'll be links. There'll be reminders. I'll put it on all the social media. You'll hear it about it again, you know, before we get there on the show. So yeah, please join us. And Peter and I have kicked around, possibly doing like um going back to doing uh uh mass halls as as another kind of event in streaming and if we can kind of get into a groove with that um hopefully uh, something that will be a regular we'll see how the rip goes yeah if, well, uh, if we're getting a good crowd for a season two rip that will encourage us to do more live shows so there you go there's your encouragement give us a reason we'd love to do it i got one other thing to bring up before we talk about the episode peter Bring it up. I'm neglectful about responding to comments on our Facebook page. Very good about the group. Group's great. Trauma support group. Fantastic. Please join. 
but the page itself, because I don't check like the corporate side of the account as often as I should, I missed something. And there was a comment on one of our episodes from about six weeks ago. I want to, I want to read it. I want to shout out to the fan who wrote it. And I want to, I want to read it. This guy's name is Gabe. So Gabe, if you're listening, thanks for dropping us a line. And um, here's the, here's the comment that he left us. Been listening to you guys for about a year and a half now. Thanks, Gabe. I downloaded a ton of your shows and brought them with me. Just wanted you guys to know you have a listener in McMurdo Station, Antarctica. If there was a more fortunate time to notice that we literally right now have a fan at the science station in Antarctica, it's this week. Because what did we watch this week, Peter? No, no, Joe, we can't move on yet. Picture this. <laughs> I want you in your mind's eye. You still got one of those, right? Yeah. I want you to imagine in your mind's eye. Uh-huh. You, you guys at home and driving your car, just, just for a moment, pretend that there you are out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And if you go outside, outside will kill you. <laughs> you are trapped. Yes. And you're listening to Joe and I talk about 20-year-old Star Trek shit and argue about shuttle pod doors and God knows what else. Getting a beast with doctors in France over it, yeah. Because this Gabe guy downloaded all of our stuff and he's listening over in his bunk and the walls are made out of like tin cans and you have to hear us and and he's making your life hell. All right, that's what this show's about. That's why we're doing it. There's no sponsors, all right? I'm only in it. <laughs> For the off chance that someone's going to put one of our bumper stickers on someone's side view mirror uh, and stuff like this, where it's not just a car ride. People might be getting forced to listen to us. It's Antarctica. It's research stations. So other research associates, if you're there listening to us talk right now because Gabe's got the volume up too loud. Hello from Ohio, (laughs) where it's. Obviously much warmer than the blasted Arctic hellscape we presently are in. And we're enjoying that fact tremendously. And we're enjoying it as we review what episode? Joe, we're going into season two, episode 23, Regeneration. This first aired the 7th of May, 2003. Uh, written by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong. Very well-established names at this point, right? They've yeah. got some Voyager writing credits, and these are now, I believe we said, the co- co-producers, right? Yeah, they're on the producer line now. Directed by David Livingston. Before before we launch into those old friends, I want to say one thing. Gabe, one more, one more thing. I hope you're able to watch along with us, and you have watched this episode so that you can have a cautionary tale of what not to fucking do while you're there. <laughs> right? I don't want to hear any stories about you jabronis out in Antarctica digging up some sort of eldritch horror and unleashing it on the planet. You should know better. If it wasn't the thing, and we'll get to that, it should be this, okay? So this one, I think, is one of the most clever continuity ads they could have done with this particular fact pattern. It's kind of a groaner in the sense like, oh, I got to drag the fucking Borg into this show somehow, right? Like, but yet they found the perfect line to make it happen. You know what I mean? 
This is two faces coin for me. On one hand, it's a great premise and they do a lot of stuff really right. On other hand, uh, this is some of the dumbest fucking shit I've seen in Star Trek. <laughs> I've got a list of grievances to I haven't taken this many fucking notes in a long time. Um, the power inconsistency of the Borg in this episode even, is traumatic. <laughs> traumatic. They just couldn't figure out what they were supposed to be and what they were supposed to be capable of at this point. And they don't explain anything, which is even worse. We'll get into it, man. But I will Here's- say, for in, in, in an effort to give this episode some credit to start, the idea of dragging the Borg into the show, this is the only way they could have done it. And the first act is actually great. Yes. And... If only they had just figured out some consistency with what the, you know, the, the, how powerful the Borg needed to be to work for the story and to explain that level of power so that the audience could invest, the, the vested audience could really engage with it. I think it would have been a banger. And instead, it kind of had some really cool elements to it. But then it's like, oh, so that works now? Like, what is this? But it's not working here. How like they but they they don't have shields on the ship like what is this and it's like uh yeah fine they just blow it up I guess I'll t- I'll say this it, it's a great I think it's a it's a perfect episode if you were only tangentially aware of what the Borg were and and maybe you saw first contact true um, true if you're a casual fan it probably doesn't bother you at all and you know if there's one thing I can say with 100 percent accuracy is that. I guarantee you everybody watching um, Enterprise by season two, episode 23, just total casuals, you know, that just, <laughs> yeah, this- the, the billions of people watching this thing. It was just, you know, dancing with the stars, right? That's that's just sitting around. I'll go, what's this, honey? Well, let's just casually watch this. Um, how odd to think about this episode and know that this is the last time the Borg will appear for Berman era Star Trek. Yeah, this is it. What a potent run. Obviously, the definitively, you know, the best villain out of next gen. Uh, Major movie villains. Uh, And then dragged out of a perfect endpoint by Star Trek Voyager so they could urinate on the corpse. um, Fuck the corpse necromancy the corpse back alive pee it on it again fuck it again <laughs> and then ultimately yeah, that's, that's what snuggle we with it about in Rick bed. Berman. he can't stop fucking the corpse you know Not it's a known a... fact that rick berman fucks corpses <laughs> well alligators is actually oh uh, yeah alligators i'm sorry it was correct uh, i apologize to rick berman he, he fucks alligators so you know such a long run and then yeah just the last time we ever see the borg is fucking enterprise until um you know we we jump up into picard which did a pretty good job with them for the most part i did i mean it was the thing i complained the least about in season one of picard I think season two of Picard may have ruined anything that they managed to accomplish here. The ex Borg, you know, therapy center, the use of hue, the visuals, uh, the visuals, the, the making them just scarier. 
Yes. Um, that 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 was the only stuff in Picard season one. I think I I feel like was an improvement. Enjoyed. Yeah, and it was really a technological one and like a like a aesthetics one. And I'll say this too: that I thought the Picard uh, season one Borg stuff was pretty great on its own, and I hadn't even seen how bad Voyager was going to get with shitting in the Borg's mouth. So uh, yeah, because we we had stopped on Voyager kind of just as that was developing because it was a living witness we stopped on right yeah because we we hadn't gotten to the use of the borg in voyager yet when we paused to do picard so joe you and i we have talked literal hours god what 12 13 14 hours about the Mm -hmm. borg probably um so you know we're, we're in a good place to have these conversations and I think we're going to be in a good place to have some real talk about what we're going to see here. Uh, and we open up in kind of an exciting place in this episode because it's the windswept, snowy, shitty, miserable uh, polar shelf. I Immediately, I'm getting like flashbacks of Timeless, right? Mm-hmm. Chakotay and uh, Harry trudging along, wiping away the snow. Part of me wants to see an intrepid class starship buried underneath there, but no, we know it's not going to be that. This uh, episode wastes no time in the big reveal, right? Yeah, it gets right to it. Uh, You've got a trio of human scientists that have apparently found the remains of the Borg sphere that the Enterprise E uh, gloriously exploded with quantum torpedoes during first contact. And we know this because they find not only the pieces of the sphere, but also intact Borg drones in the ice. So they're definitely going for a whole thing vibe here quite purposefully. I think that that works. I think that honestly, this episode doesn't an excellent job of making the Borg really scary, which is something that has definitely been missing. Like it's, their power level inconsistency, which I'm sure you will discuss at length, aside, the Borg are treated like a bunch of extremely hostile, deadly space cyborg zombies who will steamroll you given the opportunity. And from the jump, they make them pretty scary here because these guys dig them up. They start having little chit chats about what they're finding. And it's all stuff that if you know what the hell is going on here, you're like, oh, boy. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. They found nanoprobes. Oh, yeah. These guys are regenerating. They have no concept of what they've run into. And the dread starts to build because you, the audience, they're like, these motherfuckers waking back up. Uh, this cannot be understated. The level of tension and dread that Enterprise creates in these, I'd say, the opening uh, th- third act, right? The the first yeah, of three. First act, yeah. You would have to go back to, gosh, mid mid TNG to have a level of like unknown horror, right? Yeah, and 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 it's p- uniquely playing on the fact that the audience knows what this is and the characters do not, right? And it's a it's a very unique spot that they can be in with this, as you said yourself extremely well-known important movie level villain of star Trek 
that everyone within the Star Trek universe, by the time they'd played out the string, was aware of how deadly and awful they are to the point where they invent like even more powerful things to try and threaten them because they ran out of ideas. Well, okay, well, we don't need to fucking do that because these guys have no idea what, what they've got. Jump over right Voyager now. left us with these guys, right? Children going through, like, I want to learn how to be a boy. Um, a rebellion. Uh, the rebellion. T- Tom. Paris. Just drive by with a, with an assault rifle. You know, holding up the Borg holding queen. the Borg queen yeah. uh, at gunpoint, basically. Which, yeah. you know. Um, they were jokes. They weren't the Borg. They were the morgue. And, and I'm going to make my own. <laughs> these guys might also be morgue. <laughs> not because certainly the Borg would have fucking wrecked everybody's ass on Voyager a hundred times over. Um, so the, those guys in Voyager, that was their, they're not well off cousins, of the Morg, not the Borg, but uh, yeah, the, these opening scenes, you know, it's not going to go well. There's nobody in these oh, yeah. opening scenes. That is a name you recognize. Although <laughs> on reading the fucking Wikipedia page, I'm sorry, the memory alpha, the, the female researcher, is uh, John Billingsley's wife? That's, that's correct. <laughs> so that's an awesome <laughs> way, way to way to to make uh, get your your wife a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, get to hang out at work. You get in a fight, and you had already promised to get her a role on your TV show, and like she made you mad. She like I don't know she didn't put the the cap on the orange juice all the way, so you took it out of the refrigerator, shake it up, cap flew out, and orange juice is everywhere. You're clamping like, God damn you! I'll get you a role on the show, and it's going to be eight hours in the makeup chair. Just for, for one stunt where you fall over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it it's it's textbook horror, right? It's the thing. This is literally just the plot of we find some shit on the ice. We don't know what it is. It's aliens that can go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's one guy in the mix whose head is not actually stuck up his own asshole. Who's like, yo. This dude's fucking arm looks like it's a power drill, had uh, non-consensual sex with a buzzsaw, and then they taped it on his fucking arm. Like, that looks like a murder arm. Hey, we don't know if they're hostile, and then he just, like, motions at the arm and be like, really? <laughs> it yeah. seemed pretty fucking hostile to me, bro. <laughs> this guy has a seven-speed uh, punch-fuck dildo for an arm. <laughs> I don't think that's a friendship massager. Yeah, why don't we put these guys on ice? They seem pretty gnarly. I mean, I'm no expert, but heavy metal uh, uh, fucking demon cyborgs feel like they need to go into the fucking ice box right now. So they get them up on the table. They're all laid out. Uh, and something unfortunate happens. And it is for the first time, perhaps ever, that we have the Borg under fluorescent lighting. Right? This is like classroom bright lighting and high def and you can see just how bad these suits really look oh yeah yeah the high def does not help here because they just look like they are in some sort of bad halloween costume yeah like the like the halloween costume in a bag at uh spirit halloween these things and you can see how and why right because these are designs from the pre hd era and here we are in a native HD environment. It's 720, but it's still way more clean than anything that's come before it. And, uh, and these, these things costumes, just don't look good. They were always meant to be in the dark, in the shadows, with 
a fog machine going and green lasers shooting everywhere and you're not supposed to get a good look. And I'll still say, man, I think that the TNG black body glove bodysuits with like layered kind of like plastic armor over it. I think it looked better than these overly robotic ones, but whatever. Uh, so they're all laid out. They're doing blood work. As you mentioned, the guy's got the microscope. He's like, look at these things. Like, I think there's robot nanites, nanotechnology floating around in their blood. Not as only repairing cell damage, it's repairing electronics. This is scary. This is a uh, Mr. Common Sense talking like maybe we should put them back outside so they freeze because I got the a bad feeling about this. And then his boss, Mr. Dipshits. Nah, they're fine. No, Starfleet sent us out here with our, <laughs> my, my other criticism, and you know maybe our friend Gabe can tell us what kind of code it really takes to work in Antarctica. But they got like these thin spring-like, they look like they're wearing uh, oven mitts, basically. Real thin material. <laughs> they look like they're wearing some sort of summer version of a Romulan uniform. <laughs> yeah, they do. I was going to say Romulan yeah. outfit. Um, yeah. No, you know, Starfleet sent us up here heavily armed, I might add. I was that's also a cool thing. Like, they, you know, it's not bad horror. Like minus his boss being a complete fucking asshole who, you know, condemns everybody to an assimilated death. Uh, you know, they've, they've got security precautions. There's guns everywhere. They can. They don't really mention why Starfleet. Sent them. Yeah, they never established what came up that they finally figured out this was here, right? That's kind of missing from the plot of, oh, there was a signal that got activated or we, you know, we finally set up this, you know, survey team that came up with this, this EM signature way at the top of the pole, which no one expected to see. Not Nothing to give reason as to why they are there, except that someone thought that there would be something there and then someone owed someone a bottle of scotch, right? Sure. It doesn't matter. They're investigating it. And then, and eventually the the inevitable action that the entire audience know has to happen at some point occurs, and that is one of the Borg drones awaken. We Despite Mister Dipshit saying, "Well, there's no reason to assume that they're hostile." We we see the tubules go in, and then we see guys shooting up the joint with his phaser rifle from a like a wide effect shot. You see like the the phaser blasts like start blowing holes in the side of the tent and all that. I thought that was very clever. And then the other two scientists come running back in place is trashed. Like what the fuck? One of the bodies is gone. They find the dude. He's on the ground. He's already turning gray. He's gasping for air. Like, Oh no. And then of course they turn around and there's a laser eye in their face and you don't see anything else. We know what's happened. They don't have to show you anything else. Just make this the whole fucking thing, man. Get rid of Jonathan Archer and the rest of the crew <laughs> and just have a completely disposable cast and give me a fucking two hour made for TV movie that is just a thing with a Borg drone. I agree. Or, or been better. Alien, right. And I, I think yeah. right off the jump and, and as you're beating around the bush, like. This is a ridiculous fucking story, because based on everything that I've seen over. 15 years of Star Trek at this point or whatever it's been. 
one 24th century post first contact, well, actually wouldn't be post, it would be a Borg up to the power level of first contact, drop back in 2153, should be able to assimilate the entire goddamn planet unstoppable. Yeah, it should roll the whole place. So the idea that this thing would wake up, make a little collective, which is smart, you know, maybe wake his other friends up and maybe get a ship semi-operational and then decide the smartest thing to do is leave is is ridiculous. And, you know, there has to be a certain level of suspension of disbelief because... I mean, we even... We know that one Borg drone could potentially roll the whole place because Voyager did that plot. It was called One. It was a 29th century Borg. They were fucking paranoid as shit about going back to the Borg because it would just make them an unstoppable juggernaut if they got their hands on it, right? So you got these dis- time-displaced Borg. You-, you think they should roll it, except if you did something to justify why they couldn't, right? If there was some dialogue during this first act of like, oh, their technology's in shambles. There's nothing left. They give you some sort of... of Break his assimilation trail. tubules, right? Yeah. They broke seven and nine's tubules. It's it's a piece it can break, and and now he can't just zombie everybody. This would have been a great standalone horror movie where everybody dies and they have to nuke the site from orbit. Uh, they could it would have, have take... preserved the mystery of what happened, so you don't mm-hmm. have a continuity issue down the road, which is its own whole can of worms we're going to get into. Uh, it I, I, could have I agree been... that the thing version of this is better, but even if you don't do the thing version of this and you decide to go and have you know, your main cast actually involved mm-hmm. in your show, which I get, you kind of feel like you have sure. to do that. Then there needed to be the two Borg drones waking up and having a conversation where they establish the fact pattern around which the episode can work, which would be easy enough. They, they stand up their The node's gone. So they have to talk to each other. We've seen that this happens with disconnected Borg, right? Like they've got to talk. They need to establish a new collective, but they're in a prior era. The technology is not as compatible. You know, their, their efficiency will be degraded by 87%. You know, like a line like that would have been enough to be like, okay, these Borg aren't going to be able to be as powerful because everything they're drawing off of is actually backwards looking. And so whenever they convert things and convert people now, like they're, they're trying to do this whole uh, upgrading thing. That's going to just take more resources, take more time and is going to make them less effective. And then they make the conclusion that because of that, that they're better off heading back to the Delta quadrant with this tech, with, with this, with this information rather than trying to, to make fetch happen on earth right now on their own. There was a way to do this and they just don't do any of it. Instead, just like hard cut to black and everyone's fucking dead. And that's like the least satisfying. I will say that I think the fact that they never really talked to the Borg is strongly in the episode's favor. And part of why the Borg seems so scary here. And that was a big problem with Voyagers. Everything past Locutus of Borg. We can talk to the Borg. Now we can start getting exposition and background. They they went too drizzed on it, right? Yeah. No, it, and yeah, I I'm just talking about setting the stage. Sure. After sure. the stage is set, shut them the fuck up. Everything else about along that line is good. They could have done it like the thing where the whole thing's just set here and it's a scary thing. It could have gotten into space and you could have had an alien type yeah. thing where it's one versus that. Um but instead the Arctic 
uh, station drops off the map. Uh, you know, we get Admiral Forrest involved. Hey, that uh, base that was full of what was probably some pretty fucking sweet tech. We haven't heard from it in three days. Also, for being something that's this big of a discovery, we didn't have like an entire garrison posted up there to like, you know, protect it from the temporal Cold War or whatever the fuck we're worried about these days. <laughs> and he goes himself. Admiral Forrest <laughs> goes himself to check it Not out. Not important enough to put like a garrison up there. It is important enough to go up yourself and check. Uh, that tells you that Forrest argued against putting a garrison up there and now he's in deep shit and that's why he's up there trying to figure it out. They get I up do there. Like, I mean, it is another, by the way, sign of like they use Admiral Forrest a lot in the show. He shows up frequently. You know, he's usually like a pretty small presence in each episode he's in, mm-hmm. but he is consistently the guy who's in charge of Starfleet. And I feel like that as actually helping somewhat, because if you go back to TNG, like Picard would interface with so many different like flag ranked officers that it was sometimes difficult as a viewer to understand who did what, like you knew Admiral Necheyev was the intelligence Admiral. You knew that very clearly, but everyone else it's like random guy. Sometimes it was someone who would show up again. Sometimes it wasn't, it was really only Admiral Necheyev who had a real personality and a real fucking job. Right. Well, that was a casting issue, right? Probably. And that was, I think something based on your descriptions of DS9 that they realized. And certainly in Voyager, when they reestablish contact with uh, Starfleet, it's all through Admiral Paris is, mm-hmm. you know, instead of having established ensemble characters that you're rotating through that have behavior and that have uh, consistency, it's okay, we'll grab someone from fucking casting. This guy's going to be an Admiral who's eating bugs. And this guy's going to be an Admiral who, you know, whatever. And they had good ones like uh, Eric Pressman, in TNG. Yeah, yeah. That I was a good episode. Like, good episode. Good actor. I would like to see him around more. That would have been a cool arc. Like, this is one that brings him down. But um, I think by this point, they're like, all right, let, instead of just getting fucking Bozo the week and putting him in a, a fucking Starfleet uniform with, like, glitter trim, we get someone who can know their own in a scene. And I think they did luck out with, uh, what's his name, Von Armstrong? Yes. I mean, he's right up there with... Um, I'm blanking Shran, right? Those are the two guys that have played the most characters, uh, Jeff Combs. Uh, and, and it was smart for them to get someone they could rely on. And also to use them as like, you know, other goofy monster or sorry, alien of the week thing. So uh, they get up there. They do a real good job turning the Arctic research base into a haunted house. They do. Oh, one other thing about admirals, by the way, before we get off it, I looked this up and I know this was, hasn't been on your radar. They reused uh, Captain Jellico in uh prodigy and they made him admiral jellico and it was actually still voiced by ronnie cox believe it or not cool and it's like so they have learned that even now they're like as they like start to create this stuff that connects to the old stuff they're actually putting in some effort you know Jellico's like a, a whole fucking thing on of himself due to meme status at this point so he's True. a good one to lean back on also while we're talking about other star trek properties we don't give a shit about i think the season three Picard's supposed to be premiering tonight, so. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Whoopsie do, yay! Um, I, I, I I retweeted something Doomcock said and told him that he needed to just take his helmet off and breathe because he was like freaking out because like I think um uh was it Burnett 
was the one that was like saying, oh, it's good. Everyone will like it. It really like gets back to what's good about TNG. And other people are like, no, no one can like this stuff because that means Trek will never come under, uh, come out from under Alex Kurtzman's boot heel. So we must hate everything. And it's like, you guys need to fucking relax. Like Strange New Worlds was pretty good. Lower Decks is actually funny. And the fact they did that red letter media bit beat for beat on purpose shows some people in the building know what the fuck is going on. So why not just relax? It can be good sometimes. All right. Take the mask off. It's going to be okay. Oh, you were talking about how they turned it into a, a, a haunted house very quickly. <laughs> Looks great. Oh, yeah. shit. Something's wrong. This is also a cool uh, bit of continuity cleanup they do. Because the circumstances that the Borg get off the planet, right? They take the research vessel. They assimilate whatever crew's on hand. Um, and I want to say for the record, I don't like assimilation juices i know they brought it in with first contact and it it's it was good in first contact it got real stale real quick the nanoprobes basically Mm -hmm. in voyager and the idea you can just jab some with these fucking tubules and and they it zombifies them and they start like sprouting fucking tech out of their forehead and stuff it's silly i I like them getting forced into the closet and assimilation being a little bit more of a slower deliberate process whatever they assimilate the camp in the process, they don't explicitly say it, but I'm guessing the board just picked that site clean of all their previous tech. So there's not that continuity loophole like, oh, hey, wait, there's fucking badass Borgs. Yeah. Here. We What's had this transwarp conduit doing here. Yeah. So pretty cool that they, they clean that up. They upgrade the ship off they go. And it's a clever way for them to loop in Enterprise's involvement, because I'm like, why would they call Enterprise out of deep space exploration all the way back to Earth? You don't have to. Now the Borg are in space. They're going to do their thing. Force gets a uh, archer on the horn says, Hey, we got a big problem and we need you to clean it up. So the transport's already going almost warp four, which it's only How fast as enterprise warp five. Hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> it's already uh, closing in on top speed of their best ship. So they're a little concerned about what might possibly be going on. And they prepare to intercept it. And while they do so, they have a lot of dialogue trying to parse what's going on. There's a, uh, you know, there's a scene with Phlox and, and Reed talking about all of the the cybernetic features. What's a weapon? What Shout is Shout out this? to the binars. Yes, the binars are mentioned. It's a, a deep cut and just adds a little bit more texture. That's like something the Noblians already knew about probably before they ever even met humans. I like that these scenes, too, are only uh, there's two or three scenes specifically that were not originally in the script and they had to be added because David Livingston ripped through material so fast. The show was coming up too short, so they had to put filler in. Yeah, they had to do drop in shots. That's how good David Livingston. That's how much experience Livingston, how much Trek he has under his fingernails. That's why he can work. Because it's like you want this thing done on time and under budget. You haul, mm-hmm. you haul David in. He'll get it. He'll shoot the thing so fast you'll need to pat it a couple minutes. Um, gripe, ma- major gripe opportunity here, right? They transmitted a lot of data from this Arctic base back to Starfleet. These guys aren't stumbling around in the dark. They got high res photos. They got schematics. 
got scans. Got diagnostics, mm-hmm. right? Starfleet, with its computers, took these digital photos. They sent them through space to Enterprise. This is shit Starfleet already has in its database at this point. And this will build an inconsistency. They never specifically say Borg in this episode, right? Correct. But everything else is there. So I guess if we are watching this as a linear time experience, and this is the first time that they have gone back in time and arguably the next time that a who happens, it could play out a little differently, but this is the first time around. Yeah, Picard be caught completely flat footed, but for something that's this big of a fucking deal, they don't really, at least a lot of loose ends. I don't think it necessarily does. For for this reason. Do we have perfect records of the things that happened 200 years ago on this planet? Did they like have in starships and warp drives back then and like really good computer systems? Well, we got really good computers now, but like I, I don't have all the files from the computer I had 10 years ago, let alone 200 years ago. You're just also because, it's- just because something is digital doesn't mean that it's not just in the back of some archive somewhere and no one alive knows anything about it by the time it happens again. If you had digital cameras in your house uh, 10 years ago and people broke into your house, uh, I'm sorry, uh, zombie robots broke into your house and ripped your mom apart and then um, turned her guts into a spaceship and flew out. I bet you a hundred dollars you would have a, jump drive with those video files there, right? Well, like, well, yeah, 10 years ago, sure. But if it was 200 years ago and it was a bunch of computers. people that you didn't know, it, that, n- that no one alive knows anymore, and it's something that happened, but now you've like confronted 200 years more of other space horrors, so it doesn't seem like it's so weird anymore. They've pulled and- much more obscure facts out in, in TNG with their computers that went way back further. So... I, I think it is completely reasonable to believe that Federation archives, that this would be one of the big mysteries. And when are we going to encounter these guys? This would be a big fucking deal. I, it's not I a showstopper. Like the information should be there, but I understand why it wouldn't be on quick and ready for anyone to research. My understand who that Android that knows everything that was there for the board too. It's, it's a big plot hole. They could have filled it in. A couple different ways. I'm not going to crucify the the post the the episode on it, but that this is a doozy, right? Like it's the flag um, Enterprise is a flag. It is the one ship involved. They don't really do the uh, okay. We're going to classify all this. It'll never be discussed again. Thing at the end, like rickety bridge on this. Uh, they go, hey, here's the stuff. They start looking. Like you said, Flox is having discussions with Reed. They got pictures of the weapons. They're trying to figure them out. And meanwhile, while Reed's getting ready to like murder everything, Archer's doing the Archer thing. (sighs) Boy, oh boy, I hope we can save these people. As they go on, they receive a distress call from a Tarkalian freighter. They are under attack. They they rush to try and assist. And when they come to Tarkalian freighter, it is being sliced up with a cutting beam by the Arctic transport. It's pretty cool. Uh, they do a good job with the effect shot of making the Arctic freighter look more and more Borgy as time goes on. It, it starts adding like parts and starts to look more and more blocky as as There's the events green transpire. Green floodlights everywhere. 
Yeah, there's green flush lights everywhere. I love so the fact that it's basically uh, an Earth snowmobile <laughs> has been Frankenstein into the most fucking dangerous thing in the, the, the Alpha Quadrant. And it's cutting this thing up like, of course, it took a slice out of the Enterprise in Q-Who. In Q-Who and they roll up. They actually take its weapons down like immediately via phasers and elect not to follow because there are two Tarkalian life forms that are reading on the ship that they want to get their hands on first to try and help. And they bring those guys into sick bay and they are undergoing the process of being assimilated. And I think the most effective character in this episode is flocks in talking about what's happening and making you understand like, yeah, he's kind of onto it, but he's not really onto it. You know, like he's picking up some of it, like the way you would expect him to, because some of this makes sense to him, but other parts it's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, Not only did I not know, but I am going to be reckless in my assumptions because right. and, someone and it, else is like, uh, you know, it seems like there's bad shit going on. And um, these guys seem like they might be wrapped up in it now. Maybe we should put them in a decontamination chamber just to be safe. And, oh, no. Well, then I can't treat them. And I don't think they're going to be any risk to the crew looking at the camera. Wink, wink. And then I, I like that it bites him in the ass and it becomes a major plot point. Absolutely. I also like the Tarkalians have these little metals. I've seen them before and I can't remember what episode it was, but the, whatever their their insignia or their logos are, it looks like a pair of gold balls. Yeah, it's this little. Yeah, they do look like balls. It's it's like screwed up. balls. There's some other that, that is a reused prop. They don't mention it all in memory alpha, but there is somewhere else where we were like, God, that guy's badge looks like a nutsack. Uh, the Tarkalians, I don't think I've ever seen them in anything else. I know it's a name we've heard, but this is the first time I think we've seen them. So uh, the the Borg ship has flown off. They've got these Tarkalians uh, who are being rapidly assimilated. Uh, Phlox is able to start doing some work on them and saying, hey, I, you know, see these nanoprobes and this seems like it's pretty serious business. I'm going to try some stuff. Uh, Archer goes off on a hunch. And that hunch is that, you know, him being the Zephram Cochran fanboy he is, swears that he thought something that there's some something about this seems familiar, right? It sure does. Tie that also real quick into the whole thing that like this should be a big deal and Starfleet have better records on it. Because when the father of warps travel and like unlocking the future of the Federation is sitting there giving fucking commencement speech speeches at Princeton, telling you about the time robot zombies from the future <laughs> came back in time in 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 basically a reworked plot of Terminator <laughs> to try to kill him before he could birth the future of the Federation and board downfall. I love that they set this up as well, Zephyrin Cochran was a known drunk crank. Like he said, who 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 would believe this story? The story sounds stupid is really the framing, right? Yeah. He got drunk and decided to tell people the plot of first contact while giving a commencement speech at Princeton. And then everyone was like, what the fuck was that? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was drunk. It never actually happened. My bad. 
funny story tying this and, and the guy we've got up in Antarctica, us finding that comment here. The commencement speech we had when I graduated from uh, OSU, they had Bill Cosby the quarter before ours, so I didn't <laughs> get the big name. They had this dude come out and uh, talk about his own Arctic research taking core samples. <laughs> I much, I would have much preferred, preferred to Bill have Cosby. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, you know, Zephyr and Cochran telling us a story about uh, space zombies coming back from the future to get us. My commencement speech was Andy Rooney, um, who who has passed his sell on date even in two thousand and one. So we'll, yeah. we'll put it, we'll leave it there. But Archer says no. I think there was something more to that because he then said the exact same thing again, like you know, two years later. That was also verbatim like the same thing. So I think I think that's these guys. Also, quick side note: like I don't like the temporal police that Voyager used heavily. I liked their episodes, actually. They were I don't fun. Like conceptually, because then it doesn't apply to the rest of stuff. Like, you're telling me they didn't go back in time and tell Zephyr to shut his fucking mouth? Yeah, like, it does create this circumstance where you're like, well, why haven't they shown up every other time if they're why the time they show police? When Janeway brought fucking board killer tech... Like, it, it's, it's one of those things you can't apply them to the episodes that they're not designed. Eh, whatever. But no, he's like, listen, I, I think these are the same guys. And this starts opening up a dialogue tree between T'Pol and Archer, where she's like, so what's your plan here exactly? And Archer's like, well, we're just going to rescue everybody and bring them back, right? That's what we always do. And she's like, oh. <laughs> T'Pol's like, uh, boss, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but they've all turning into uh, zombie killing machines. So maybe not that. I've been and watching the back catalog of these goofy horror movies that uh, Trip's all about. And uh, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to kill it with fire. Well, they're going to end up having to kill him pretty quick here because the next thing that happens is uh, they start waking up. They're very displeased by their circumstances. The Tarkalians, the Tarkalians are. And uh, eventually uh, one tosses the security guard straight across the room super eats him <laughs> just just obliterates this dude and then uh of course Flox gets the uh the special touch in the neck from the assimilation tubules and these two guys are off to the races into the jeffrey's tubes trying to fuck with the ship the condition they run off into the jeffrey's tube they're looking a little sickly once they get in the tubes, like they get like six times worse. Uh, there is mechanical implants, which we saw uh, back in Voyager, right? Um, Seven and nine has her relapse. Yeah, and they start they, sprouting. They remote activate her uh, Terminatrix program and like the fucking shield emitters like blow out of her cheek. I like them balding. I like them like zombifying, like the massive hair loss. It's a guy. It's a girl. They're climbing up through there. Um, Archer's like, hey, Reed, go take a highly disposable security team into the uh, catwalk, into the Jeffrey's tubes, go hunt these guys down. God, I hate so much how Reed holds a fucking gun in this show. This is the second time I couldn't look away. He's like always like flashing it around like it's like a 
a special accessory he wants to make sure the camera knows he's got and you know he's clearing corners with it and he's just like always he showed it off like an engagement ring yeah it's super weird it is not the way that a military professional would hold a gun to effectively implement against an intruder i mean honest to god jerry ryan was better at it with a phaser rifle and voyager she had trigger discipline she'd point the thing the way you'd point a real gun you know like assuming like a a level of recoil and a need for accuracy and fucking Reed, who's supposed to be a security officer is like flashing this thing around. Like it's, it's a fashion accessory. Take that grievance and put it right at the bottom of the list of things wrong about the character of Reed. (laughs) Okay. Fair. I know it's a big deal for you, but like there's, there's way, there's way goofier shit in this. Uh, These Borg, they're hauling ass through there. There's this effect shot that, stands out as just awful where like the Borg punches the wall. There's two monitors. <laughs> so then there's a wall. They punch it. And then like, I don't know if you remember like the little capsules. They look like little aspirins and you'd throw them in water and there'd be like a horse that was yeah. a sponge that was like dehydrated and like the, the capsule would dissolve and then a horse would like hydrate and become there. Imagine you're you're recording that process and you play it back at like 12x. That is the speed that full-blown computer parts just magically, spontaneously generate out of the fucking wall, right? It's it's magic. It looks like magic. It's it alchemy. Does. It doesn't look like technology. It looks like magic. You're absolutely right. And it just is conjured from thin air right in front of you. And it's uh, very off-putting and very weird. And you've never seen the Borg do anything like this. Especially it's- Borg. That was assimilated by another Borg that was assimilated that's been stuck in the Arctic Circle for a hundred years or whatever. So like Apparently goofy. all they gotta do is punch walls and their technology comes out. Who fucking knew is that easy? It starts causing problems with the ship. Reed gets up, they engage him, they take a couple shots, right? Right. And, and we the classic energy shield is uh modulated to their phasers. They shit don't work. Oh, look at that. The most advanced weapons that Earth has, which it afforded its exploratory vessel Enterprise. These Borgs are just shrugging off, adding further um, uh, further fuel to the fire. That is one of these fucking drones should have been able to bring down the entirety of Earth in 2153. Ridiculous. They bounce out of there and... They ultimately solve the problem the way that you would on Battlestar Galactica. And that is no, no. the fucking airlock. Mm-mm. Not Battlestar Galactica, Joe. We're going to call this for what it is. The Chakotay maneuver. That's true. Chakotay also pulled this trick. You got some Dispo- Borg. You, you tried to kill Seven of Nine as well mm-hmm. with that. You got some Borg you don't care for anymore. They outlive their uh, welcome. Reed, get out of there. Shut the door. Make sure it seals real tight. Put some mashed potatoes along that scene. <laughs> We know okay. that's real good for preventing vacuum. Yeah. I'm blowing these motherfuckers out the hatch. And, and they do. And they do the whole shot. They You watch them get like sucked into space and then float away, frozen corpses. And you get a lot of time with Archer being very sad about it. This is, the episode's great up to this point, right? Like this, this is exactly what should have happened. It's, oh my God, our weapons don't work. We're going to have to do the nastiest thing Short of transporting these guys out, which that's the ultimate like line that Federation never crosses is beaming people into space is just 
opening the door and suck them out into space. I believe you called that if it would be the equivalent of microwaving a puppy if they beamed people in space. Yeah, it takes a real villain like Seska to get to. Only Seska. Oh, yeah, actually, Seska's the only Star Trek villain to ever go there. Or like, hero for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever she is in your heart, she's the only one who's beamed motherfuckers into space for crossing uh, her. You know what? I think they beamed lore into space. Yeah, but it didn't kill lore. Like, that was why it was okay. That That's true. That's why they were able to keep their good alignment. <laughs> it's true. It wasn't it wasn't violating lawful good because it's like he's a robot. He doesn't need he doesn't need air. He's fine. This scene should have been the end. They they should have used this at the end. That that's how they finally thwart the tech menace that none of their weapons. That's, you know, strong as Superman and everything else, whatever. They blow it out. And now Archer has to really consider, hey, maybe T'Pol was right. I agree up to this point, the episode has done a good job of pacing the threat, making it seem scary. Um, And then I think that continues with the sub arc of flocks dealing with being uh, assimilated. Um, What we get essentially is the implication that Denoblians have a special resistance to being quickly assimilated because they have a complex immune system. Can we start a, a, a tally here? The uh, Noblians are basically the new Vulcans. You'll remember that uh, Tuvok was the bestest at everything, mm-hmm. physically speaking. Uh, so we know that they have uh, a racial bonus to uh, saving throws versus assimilation. They do. They do. They're like dwarves and poison or whatever. They are immune to space ghosts. Also accurate. They don't have to sleep. They Except don't have like, to sleep. Like so there's a little a elf action there, they, right? They hibernate once a year. And I want to say there was some other some other little dilemma that Flox was conveniently immune to. So maybe it's less about Denoblians being impervious to stuff and more about the Doctor character having a, a higher fortitude than most. Certainly the EMH was able to shrug off many of his things. All this stuff with Flox is 10 out of 10. Yeah. There's personal horror. Not only is he looking at his own life being uh, a, as we have often said, a fate worse than death. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's eating crow. This is all a direct result of him being too cavalier and flippant and disregarding the potential danger that these fucking space zombies that like, he saw the pictures like there's you you can have no sympathy for this guy not only did he see the the hell they wrought against the tar targaryens or whatever they were called um but also he saw all the pictures from the arctic research station he should have known better and now here he is staring at his own morality and what it, you know is essentially mortality you mean mortality yeah uh because he you know was too chill about it yeah. And the solution. And he even hands Archer a fucking uh, a hyperspray that's like, yeah, if this doesn't work, just fucking kill me with this. Uh, My- execute me immediately. He determines that the right way to handle this is to bombard himself down with Omicron radiation, which conveniently enough, we jump back to cogenitor. That's what the um, that's what uh, Commander Tomalak's spaceship ran on was was correct omicron emitting engine so uh kind of cool throwback and then also too you know there's been a lot of space radiation problems too the guy from um breach right with the chap lips that was some space radiation problems there too sure was radiation it's all up in season two 
I I do like how they progressively did the makeup on Phlox and like it was like partially in different parts of his face to kind of show that in fact his immune system does have some sort of uh, higher level resistance to what was going on, that his voice got weaker, that, you know, he started hearing the voices of the collective and it was disturbing him. Great job building that horror for him personally and um, setting him up to to have a good payoff at the end of the episode with it also silly you know all this medical research he's doing none of the stuff gets lost he's got in-depth analysis on everything happening crazy nanoprobes that can contaminate your blood turn you into a robot and he ultimately basically just chemoed it out of his body right like he's just like fuck it just ruin the whole system dump it all out it's the only way to go and you know, if it works, then you're super weakened, uh, but you're alive and that makes it OK. That's what he does. I would have liked as a, a, a tying up a loose end thing is when they uh, blast the Targaryens out of the airlock. If someone on the bridge would have hit him with the phaser off the ship and like incinerate him in Archer, but like, hey, and be like, look, dude, <laughs> <laughs> you might be playing around. We're not playing around. All right. My buddy got thrown across the fucking sick bay into the wall. These Terminators, they got to go. So Reed took some time to basically chat up their phasers. So they put out a little bit more juice, which is pretty thin for what they end up doing. Cause they, they ultimately re-encounter of course the ship. Uh, but uh, the wall punching that created all the Borg nonsense, you know, trip hasn't figured out what the fuck is how to get rid of it yet. So once they encounter the Borg, they just shut off their main power. Just they give them a little assimilation speech without identifying who they are. You know, cleverly, they don't identify themselves, but do the assist- your resistance is futile thing. And we get into the, the final fight of the episode. This shit with Reed being the whiz kid of the ship. I'm I'm fucking over. You can criticize the way he's holding a gun and say that's not military. I would actually say at this point, it makes sense. There's nothing that feels actually military about this guy. He gets his ass kicked all the time. He sucks at shooting. And he is, for all intents and purposes, the smartest person on the ship. Fuck you to Paul. Fuck you, Trip. You guys might think you're the engineer and the science officer. In fact, this is the en- science officer engineer. This dude might as well be fucking Data and, and Wesley Crusher is love child. Not yeah, only is he creating to be able shield- to conjure up just amazing technology innovations, doesn't he? All of Starfleet went into developing the phase pistol, and this guy figures out out of nowhere, oh, you know, maybe the phase pistol isn't strong enough. I bet you I can pull something out of my ass. And what he makes the phase pistol like five times stronger than it was before. Double, double in strength. He it turns it into into phase pistols to phase deagles. And yeah. <laughs> good one. Just, just just crushing. I mean, and they do a good job of making the phaser blasts that come out of the improved phasers that just like actually seem like they are more powerful and have greater impact than the prior effect shots. So good but detail work again, there. For this, for, for, we've got Phlox now is immune to, uh, not immune, but he's heavily resistant to assimilation and space ghost mind probes. Reed, on the other hand, has... Uh, you know, made the iPhone series 10. I'm sorry, the phaser series 10. Uh, he has created shields. Yes. He's created red alert, which is clearly the, the most minor of his accomplishments. 
Oh, and also he figured out how to like quadruple the power of the experimental phaser array that they hadn't even installed in the ship prior to leaving Earth. So like, what can't this guy do? Just give him fucking trips job already. He can't hold a gun, obviously. Um, <laughs> establish that. So for Arch, Archer and Reed beam over to the ship uh, to pull the old caper of plant a bomb on the Borg's glowy thing. You know, the first time they ever pulled the trick in Starfleet history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't light some farts on fire. Did they inspire down the road. I'm surprised they didn't light a couple farts on fire along the way. They roll over there. They are fucking blasting these dudes with the one shot hand cannons with their phaser deagles as they go through a bam hole in the chest, bam hole in the chest whole way through this, by the way, Borg are still scary. Yeah, I don't know. Coming. There's a lot. You get to see the what happened to the, the Arctic team and they're all fucking lost causes. It's a testament to how bad Voyager handled the Borg. That Enterprise and just these couple scenes here, while while the power scope is wildly off and I've got like notes and notes and notes about how stupid it is that the Federation Mark one phaser, which should be basically a wet piece of toilet paper that they're flicking at these guys from the 24th century. Even after upgrades, shouldn't even hold a candle. Fucking oh, oh great. You've upgraded your fucking phase pistol. Uh, that's still a hundred times weaker than than. So in next generation, everything else, you get what? Two shots off a of phaser before they modulate the shields. Yep. And this they're getting seven to eight kills per shot before they finally get around to, to modulating the, the thing. Anyways, those tech gripes aside, like. The Borg coming at him. The Borg looks scary. The Borg look determined. There's nothing silly. The sets look good. The lighting's right. They're not talking to him. There's no fucking Borg queen. It is just, oh, who the it doesn't fuck, look like a fuck bad is going on? Who are these guys? It doesn't look like a bad laser tag arena over on that ship either. Like it looks, it looks gruesome. Like you mentioned, uh, Archer gets a chance real quick to scan some people. He finds uh, John Billingsley's wife. He finds another thing. Hey, these guys are both part of the Arctic uh, research team realizes through the tricorder that like these people are dead. These are animated corpses. There's nothing worth saving here. Um, I got to get real. This run and gun continues again. It's silly. They find the glowy thing. They plant the bombs. A bunch more get on the ship. They have a run and gun there. Same thing happens. They, they start blasting and then they, they adapt. And the end result is, the bomb goes off. All the oh. Borg on Enterprise bounce. And Trip finally figures out he should just remove the fucking Ark of the Covenant thing or whatever. Like the the little device that's in the wall punch technology to turn the main power back on. I think what happens is, and, and real quick, Reed and Archer transport over to the Borg ship. And that's important. Even when they were at the Targaryens, instead of just beaming the Targaryen survivors over like, they're still, you know, they can say what they want. They're still. I love at that you've got, you're calling them Targaryens now. By I, the way, it feels right. Feels right. Okay, I like it. Got dragons and, and yeah. beautiful blonde hair. Um, you know, they're still not willing to transport non-consensuals. Yeah, <laughs> and they still look at each other like, "Are we actually fucking using this I thing like, again?" Uh, yeah, Reed's like, "I don't. I've lost my soul like six times ago, man. I'm I'm riding the transporter for fun now. I kind of get high a little bit." 
Um, Remember when Hoshi wrote this thing and had like an ex- existential horror episode just from the. It happens every time and I love it. <laughs> How fucked up is that? I have these nightmares and it, it, I love it. And the archer's like, yeah, I feel like someone punched me in the head. I like doing it too. Uh, they beam back over. I think what happens is when they blow up the thing on the green glowy, uh, it fucks them up a little bit. And because their ship was being, the board ship was kind of puppeting enterprise and holding it like adrift. It's control is broken enough. And that's why, uh, trip is able to like take advantage of it at its, it's no, no, that works. That works. They pull it off. It, it's stupid that all of the Borg that were on enterprise, leave and go back to their shitty snowmobile that they have hot rotted into a Borg vessel when they could just be like, you know what? Fuck that over here. This ship is actually sweet. There's nothing they can do to us as long as we stay away from the external doors. We can just rampage this fucking ship and we can have we can assimilate this one and do everything we want to do better. So dumb plot hole there. Whatever. Them beaming off the ship though gives us the opportunity for enterprise to kick the Borg while it's down and blow them up. The, uh, the very first effective use of their torpedoes ever, <laughs> or well, maybe the second, their second effective use of their torpedoes. Cause uh, they shoot, they, sh- they shoot a bunch of aft torpedoes and it's just like, well, bam, just blow them up. Give them, oh, and they, they give a little shove with the phasers too. It's like sure. th- their biggest weapons usage ever. So the scale of the story is absurd because this should have effectively been uh, 24th century Borg versus Enterprise in the 2153 should be like nuclear bombs versus grass. <laughs> okay. Nuclear so, bombs versus like early cannon. This, you know. is, <laughs> this is awful. Even if these are in fact the morgue, not like real Borg, but like their disadvantaged cousins that... <laughs> Yeah, the West Virginia, to... the poor West Virginia cousins, cousins, the morgue, uh, the the Borg have transporters. Clearly, they could have just beamed the crew off. The... There's a million ways I could criticize this thing. Right. But the one I'm going to stick to is you could still tell the story. Whatever. It's a spooky story. It's a horror story. The fact that not a single member of Enterprise dies while directly engaging in close quarters combat. And ship to ship combat with the fucking monsters that gave the, the the galaxy class and the fucking sovereign class Enterprise E a run for their money is ridiculous. I don't know what they're saving the first Enterprise crewman deaths for, but if it wasn't this, then what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Zero body count. The Borg are defeated with zero body count. And it's like you made them scary. You gave the audience every expectation that they're going to grease a couple of these extras. And that's all you needed to do. That security team that goes to confront them when they boarded, they could have all just gotten got. And that could have been the beginning and the end of it. You know, like the uh, sub commander, the I've lost contact security team. What do you, what do you mean? Lost contacts? Like they're, they're biosigns. They're matching those of the intruders, you know, like that's it. Like, Oh fuck. Send a suicide squad on the the ship. They plant the bomb on the blue gl- on the green glowy thing, but they don't make it back. Like the stakes needed to be there. This the morgue, you know, they're they're pulling some serious punches here, and uh, I think this is too the many. 
opinion, this, without an explanation. This is the first episode. I think there really needed to be some Enterprise blood spilled, uh, and it, it wasn't. So not a single Enterprise crewman death. Ridiculous. The we fact get, that, uh, go ahead. The fact that the Borg just are stopped effectively by a, a collective of Borg in a Borg ship with shields and everything else. You know, it had it been just one rogue drone that was calling all, all these problems and they'd blown it out the airlock. That's fine. The The scale of the story they're telling here is so crazy and out of control. I think this would have actually been a prime candidate for either uh, a real great way to end Berman era Trek and Star Trek as a franchise as this would have been the last episode of Enterprise where they fail and the Enterprise effectively, I'm sorry, the Borg effectively assimilate everything. Or realistically, this would have been a good place for Q to pop in and say, oops, missed a couple. You're not supposed to see these guys yet. Whoosh. And also, I'm going to take away all the data and stuff you collected. Right. And we'll leave you with the memory of what happened and nothing else. Swapping Daniels. Time police. Oh, gosh, this was not on this. I don't know how this happened, but they got to go. Also, hey, look at the blinky light. Whoosh. I'm going to delete all your data. Like that would have been the way to tell an incredible. And also, too, if it's Q, he could have undead the death. You could have told a real um, year of hell time story here, right? Enterprise, given it's all to stop, what's very clearly a dangerous threat, massive losses, main, you know, crew members dying, cast members dying. And, you know, we wave the Voyager reset one where it would have been very warranted here, because how else does Jonathan Archer and his crew survive the fucking monstrosity that brought the Alpha Quadrants to its knees? So with all that said, they wrap the episode with two dun 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 moments. One is when Flox is recovering from his little bout of getting irradiated and says, you know, hey, I was connected to what I presume to be a collective intelligence based on inputs. And they had this string of numbers they were repeating over and over and over again. They wanted to send as a subspace message. And then we flip back to the ready room where Archer is saying, yeah, everyone took a look at what that was. And they are coordinates to Earth. And they were beamed to the Delta Quadrant. And Paul's like, well, I mean, that's got to take 200 years to get there. Oh, does that mean that the invasion has been postponed until the 24th century? Just dot, kick that can dot, down dot. the road and let another captain of the Enterprise deal with it. Um, Basically, the only way you can leave it, right? Of, well, we don't know what the fuck that was, but it was sure scary. The only way you can leave it without, again, bringing in the time police or Q. And I think both of those have been a preferable alternative. I, I would have settled for just a single line of dialogue where they would have explained why these Borg couldn't reach the technological heights of their predecessors for X, Y, Z reason. Damage, time displacement, Frostbite. lack of material. You put whatever. something in the freezer and the bag's not shut all the way. It fucks it up. It's not as good. Even after you reheat it, it's not as good as it was before. True story. This is a stupid ass episode. It's still good. Even with the serious flaws that I, I think any person who has watched all Star Trek up to this point, um, it's a cool story. And even better is that they tell it, they establish the Borg is scared. I think this is a great place to leave the Borg. All things considered. Yeah. I mean, superior to the Voyager entries for sure. So um, hard to, hard to knock it when this is, this is better than every Voyager Borg episode. Unless you count seven of nine, in which case like some of her episodes are good, but I'm like talking about like Borg as a set piece villain. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that they come out 
less scary in all of those entries. And I'm including Endgame in that, by the way, um, than in this. They're scary here. That makes them way better than than how Voyager ever used them. And that's what the Borg need to be at the end of the day. They need to be a horrific thing. A cautionary tale and an unstoppable force, even though they are stopped with the most silliest of, <laughs> of efforts here. But uh, it, it's a good one. I liked it. Speaking of unstoppable horrors, what episode of Enterprise are we watching next week? Episode two. Uh, I'm sorry. Season two, episode 24. First flight. And there is uh, was that the Phoenix flying off. Written by John Sheban, Chris Black, directed by Lava. Oh no, Lavar. What are they going to do to you in this one, buddy? Don't worry. This is one he merges pretty unscathed by. When he is told of the death of an old rival, Archer reflects on his day in the NX test program. This one has the most random guy playing the special guest star. I will leave it as a a little treat for you to unwrap. Hmm. It's like of all the actors in all the world, why him? Is but it the guy who job, played Mr. So Home? What's is, that? Is it, it going to be the guy who played Mr. Home, Lurch? Uh, I'm afraid not. <laughs> <laughs> is it going to be Michelle Barrett? <laughs> Does... yeah, but that would be awesome if it was Michelle Barrett, but unfortunately it is not that either. Hmm. Well, we'll see. All right, well, thank you, everyone, especially if you're in fucking Antarctica for listening to Vija, please. We'll see you next week. <laughs>